a little bit of what he's done in the past. And um, you've heard me say it at least three times, but just for some of you guys who haven't been here before, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times what happens at the very beginning of something, uh, it, it sets something in motion. It, it gives you something of a picture of the way something will be or should be in the future. And we've been using, we've been using metaphors like DNA and foundations and... Um, uh, you know, if you're going to build something, the first thing you do is you dig out your foundation. You dig out those footers, you, you mark them out, you have them dug, you, you throw in your rebar, you pour in some concrete. And, and even, even just a foundation tells you a lot about what's going to be built. You know, if, 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 I, were to come up and, uh, if I were to come up on Justin's job site and if Justin were to have a, a footer dug out and the footer was 100 feet by 100 feet, and if it were four feet thick and if it were reinforced with rebar, that tells me something. At least, at least I get a dimensional knowledge about what's going to be built on top of it. I, I can't go and build something 200 by 200 over a 100 by 100 foot foundation. You know what I'm saying? It, it gives us at least a dimensional knowledge. And so what I want to tell you is that Jesus has just, he's been with us. This church is 13 years old and he has, he's been with us from the very, very beginning. And, um, and in, in being with us, he, he's helped us. He's, he's helped us dig out foundations. He, he's, uh, his chromosomes have touched our chromosomes, and there's been an exchange of DNA, and some things just got set. And, and some of the things that got set, I want to go over these, uh, that I feel like. There, I feel like there were six things that got set into our DNA, six things that got, that got laid into our foundation that allow us to build from. And the, the first thing that got set was that we're just a people of, uh, we're people of God's presence. And what I mean by that is not a, not a theological understanding of God's presence, but an experience of God's presence. That's who we've been. That's what we are now. That's what we're going to be even more so. Number two, we're a, we're a, we're a people of praise and worship. We're gonna, this, this, one of the prophetic words over this, over this church is that we're going to be a house of praise, a house of worship. And so that's who we've been. That got laid into our foundation. That's who we are. That's what we're going to continue to be. Um, and the third thing is community. You know, this, 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 this church started just as a couple families gathering together to pray for another family. That's who we are. That's who we've been. That's who we're going to be. Number four, we're, we're going we're to give ourselves even more to generosity. The most generous people I've ever met in my whole life are in this building right here. And, and it's, it's, it's set into our DNA. It's, it's, not just, it's not just a natural reality. It's a spiritual reality. And we're going to be radically generous. It's who we have been. It's who we are. It's who we're going to give ourselves more to. The fifth thing is, is um, we're a people who, who have given ourselves to the preaching of not just the gospel, but to the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. You know, not just, not just heaven when you die, but how about heaven right now? You know, Jesus came for heaven when you die, but you know what he came for more than that? He came for heaven right now. And that's, that, that, that defines, that marked us somehow. And the sixth thing was, we're, we're a place where we're going to raise up and train and equip and release leaders. We're, we're going to raise up, we're going to train, and we're going to equip, and we're going to release leaders, and, and we're going to make disciples. It's just, it's who we've been from the beginning, and it's, and it's who we are now. And this morning, what I want to talk about this, with you guys this morning is, is I want to talk to you about the aspect that's been with us from the beginning, and that's the aspect of community. Uh, I think I told you guys this on the, on the very first week when we started this series, but it may come as some surprise to some of you guys in here. This church wasn't started because someone had a plan. You know, I mean, lots of churches are started out of plan, and that's good. But this church wasn't started out of plan. This church started because a couple families got together to go pray for another family that was being attacked with cancer. You know, this church started because a couple families decided to share Jesus with another family. And that's the essence of, that's the essence of real community. It's, it's shared life together. Good things, bad things, whatever, it's shared life. So this, this church, you know, that's just who we've been from the very beginning. And um, 
And it's, it's, it's imparted something to us. Now, just like on the, on the trivial side, it's, it's imparted to us kind of a laid-back, casual atmosphere. You know, we've always kind of just been kind of a laid-back, family-style church. We're not high church, we're family-style. We started in a living room. We don't do high church real well. We, Ray and I have tried a couple times, and we fail miserably. We're just laid back. You know, some churches try real hard to be laid back and casual, and it's just who we've been from the very beginning, you know? Some churches, they, they, maybe, they, maybe they serve you coffee because that's what, the, that's what the experts and the consultants tell you to do. You know, we serve you coffee just because uh, Uncle Dick and Aunt Dada, they don't drink anything other than coffee, you know? And, and you know, some pastors, they put on T-shirts and jeans because they want to connect with the youth. You know, you, you really can't get me ready to dress up unless somebody dies, you know? Or maybe a wedding. That's the trivial side of it, but that's really not what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the really important side of, of community. I want to talk to you this morning about the really important side of sharing life together. Before we get into the scripture this morning, though, I want you to take just one second, uh, and I want you to think about the best moments of your whole life. There, there's a handful. You can put your pocket in, and you can put your hand in the pocket of your life, and you can... You can pull out a handful of those moments, those very best moments. And, and I, I would be willing to bet you this, that the best moments of your entire life, they were all shared moments. Am I right? If you're like me, they're not just shared moments, but they're, they're shared moments with the community of faith. You know, the day I got married, it wasn't just between me and Heather, which is, and that was, that's awesome right there. But it was, it was a shared moment between me and Heather and her family and my family and Jesus and the whole community of faith. If you, if you just do like a real quick survey of your life, I bet you the best moments of your life are all shared moments. You know, the, the time that your kid came, you know. There ain't nothing like that. I remember the, the day that I held River in my arms and I, I thought I was going to die, you know. That's a community moment. That's, that's what life's really about. Um, I'll tell you another. I, I, I've never really shared this many times. Um, I've only shared it a couple times, actually. Never from the pulpit, I don't think. One of the best moments of my life happened at one of the lowest points of my life. I got, I got screwed up in some sin. And uh, I was just at a really, I was at an awful spot. Mostly the condition of my heart was awful. It wasn't, I wasn't rebellious anymore. I'd already confessed everything and, you know, asked for forgiveness and everything. But I was just at a really low spot in my life. And um, I, went with, uh, I went with a couple guys up to Columbus, Ohio. And we went to a... Uh, we went to a vineyard conference, and while we were at the vineyard conference, we met another really good friend of mine, and his name is Mike Ostrander. And Mike and I, we, we were just hanging out, and the conference was so good. Uh, this woman who has a really crazy prophetic gift came and prophesied over me, and like hope just started coming back in my heart. But because of that, like Mike and I were sharing the room together that night, and we decided, you know what, we, we could just go to sleep, or why don't we just cry out to the Lord together for a few minutes? And it was like one in the morning. So we start crying out to the Lord, and when we started crying out to the Lord, it wasn't like, you know, quiet or whispered crying out to the Lord. We started, like, crying out to the Lord. And I'm sure the people who were in the rooms next to us thought we were bonkers, or, I mean, or maybe they were just deep sleepers. I, I don't know what happened. But it was absolutely silent in the room. And the only thing I can tell you is that a presence of God came in the room, and, and it's, to me, it's the most dramatic experience with the presence of God I've ever had in my entire life. The fear of God jumped on Mike and I. We were both afraid to say anything. And in a moment, I, I can't even describe it other than the room changed, the atmosphere changed. It was, it was the hotel room, but it wasn't the hotel room anymore. 
And in an instant, Mike and I were both aware that Jesus was there. And we both had a vision at the same time. And we had a vision of Jesus' feet, and we could see these robes. And we, there was so much awesome presence of God in there, and there was so much fear of the Lord that was in there. It was like great and awful all at the same time. I don't know how to describe it to you any other way than that. It was great and awful. And it, it, was, it was so intense that we didn't speak. And I remember looking at the little, you know, the little digital clock, and, you know, and we didn't speak for 30 minutes, and this presence just kept rocking us, and it was, it was rocking us with his love. It was just the love of Jesus all over. And it was great and it was awful all at the same time. And it lasted for 30 minutes. And then suddenly, just, I mean, as quickly as he walked in the room, Jesus was gone. And we started crying out, don't go. We started screaming, actually, don't go, don't go. And, um, and it was over. And, and the Lord just, he did some things in me. I can't even go into it, but he changed Mike and I. And it was one of the one of the most special nights of my whole life. And you could call Mike Ostrander today and ask him, what's the most profound experience with the Lord you ever had? And I guarantee he's going to talk about Columbus, Ohio, in a little room with me when Jesus came up. And I, you know, listen, y'all, shared life is so much better. You know, community, this is, what, this is what life is like. So you might be thinking, well, Adam, are you just going to, you know, we're going to do touchy-feely stuff all morning. Do I have to cry? Uh, no, you don't have to cry. What we're going to do, you might cry. I don't know. You don't have to. Guilt-free. But what I want to do is I want to look at the, the Scriptures this morning. And what I want us to see is that, is that sharing life together is God's plan. And it's not God's plan for some of us. It's God's plan for all of us, okay? If you want to, open up your Bibles to, uh, to the first chapter of Genesis, all right? Sometimes it's just better to start at the beginning. Before we, before we get there, this will be a little section of the, of the message we're going to call Foundations for Community, okay? Before we get there, um, I want to start with the nature and the revelation of God. Before, before we get into, into some of the other things in the Scripture, I want us to catch at least some view of the nature and the revelation of God. You realize, and I can't explain this to you all, I can only proclaim it to you. That God is, he's a triune God. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit. I cannot explain that to my satisfaction or to yours either one. I can only proclaim it to you. But there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And he's revealed himself to us in this. Can I tell you something? That's not a, that's not a moot theological point. It, it's not a merely ap- academic point about who God is and how he's revealed himself. The reason it's not merely academic, the reason it, it, it can't be just something that, that gives us more head knowledge about who God is and, and perhaps would allow us to answer a question or two right on a test if we, if we have tests in heaven, it's not just that. The reason it's so important is because it reveals something about who God is to us that's incredibly important for us. Here's what it reveals. It reveals that God is a community within himself. Not just a community. He's a sweet and loving community within, within himself. You say, now why is that important? Let's look at Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26. God's been making stuff, all right? This is what God says. He says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. 
in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Well, what am I trying to say here? Here's what I'm trying to say. God is a sweet and a loving community within himself. He made man within his own image. And and here's, here's the point. Human beings or made to live in community because it reflects the nature of God. He said, let us make man in our own image. So God, and look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. You see, here's, here's what happens. That's, that's, that's God's intention, okay? Now let's fast forward to chapter 2, and I want you to look at something here. Let's look at verse 15. So God's intention is that man be formed in his own image. And the image of God, is it, it holds community in it. Look at this. This blows me away. Verse 15. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must, you must not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Verse 18. Then the Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Stop. Here's what's bonkers. God is a sweet and a loving community within himself. Chapter 1 says that man was formed in God's image. He's made to reflect God. Chapter 2, there's Adam in the garden. There's God in the garden. There's trees. There's, there's, a, there's a job for Adam. There's everything. And here's what, here's what God comes to the conclusion. He looks at Adam. He looks at, he looks at Adam's job. He looks at the garden. And he says, you know what? It's not good enough. This is what blows my mind. Adam is in the garden. He's with God. It's a garden without sin. This is before the devil has even tempted man and woman. It's a garden without sin. And can I tell you something? God and Adam and the garden without sin wasn't enough. Now that blows all of our theology out of the water, doesn't it? Because how many of you times have you heard people say, Oh, all I need in this life is Jesus. Can I tell you something? It's not all you need in this life. You need one another. I can't believe this. In verse 18, it's the first time the Lord says it. It's not good. He, up to this point, he's been saying how good it is. See, it takes, it takes community to fully reflect and reproduce the image of God. See, it, it takes more than a man to fully reflect the image of God. It takes man and woman, and it takes man and woman in relationship. So let me ask you a question. Why do people naturally congregate? They naturally congregate because we were made in the image of God. Why do people naturally congregate around NASCAR? I have no idea. (laughs) I can tell you this, though. People congregate because we're made in the image of God. Here's something I've noticed, and I bet some of you guys have noticed it, too. If you find the presence of God, if God shows up, if, there's, um, if, 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 something, if something happens and everyone in the room becomes aware that, hey, it's more than just me and these people in the room, I think Jesus might be here. If the presence of God shows up, you draw a little line and right behind the presence of God will be a community. How many times have you noticed this? We'll have a really good meeting here at the Vineyard or you know, some other place, some place you've been. Jesus comes, there's just, there's, there's a sense that the Holy Spirit has really done something, and he's touched a lot of people, and the meeting will be over officially, and what happens? No one leaves. 
Why? Well, number one, we were made in the image of God. We were made to congregate. And there's something about the presence that just draws people together. Remember when we were talking about the presence of God in Exodus? Exodus takes slaves and makes communities. It's the presence of God just... We'll have an encounter with the Lord here. It's happened the last two weeks. You know, I stand up, blessed. You guys are blessed, go home. And no one goes home. That's actually a really good sign. And the reason is because the presence of God, we, just, we, find, we find the activity of God, and next thing you know, we just want to hang out. And here's why we want to hang out. Because the presence of the good and loving Father increases our capacity to love and to be loved. God's ability to love in spite of weakness increases my ability to love people who otherwise infuriate me. I'm going to read that to you again, okay? Because I got just hammered the other day. It was so good. The presence of the good and loving of Father increases our capacity to love and to be loved. God's ability to love in spite of weakness increases my ability to love people who otherwise just infuriate me. Y'all ever notice that? Happens here almost every week. Sometimes happens to me. See, we were made for community. We're made in His image. It takes more than me and God. It takes me and God and you as well. And when God shows up in His presence, it, it increases. It, like, it builds my capacity to love people who otherwise just drive me bonkers. <clears throat> you guys ever watch that show on, uh, on cable TV called Lockdown? It's about like the prison system. You ever seen it? It's pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend letting your kids watch it. It's pretty gnarly. Anyway, um, and you guys probably know this even without watching lockdown. Like, you know, if you're, if you're a really bad person, you, you, you know, you end up in prison. You know, you, you shot someone, you end up in prison. <clears throat> if while you're in prison, you, ju- you just can't help it and you shoot someone else or, you know, stab someone else, what do they do to you to really get you? They throw you in solitary confinement. Why is that? Because something, something key and essential, some, some core part of humanity gets broken down when we're away from other people. Um, I, I was reading about six or eight months ago um, on the, the Wall Street Journal had this article about some torture techniques that, that, the, uh, that were being uh, banned now. And, and one of the newest torture techniques, it doesn't sound bad at, when, when you first hear about it, doesn't sound that bad, but it totally just makes people lose all sense of reality. What, what, what they've been doing to people, I don't know that they still do it, but what they've been doing to people, if they really want to cause someone to just lose touch with reality, they don't just isolate them, they blindfold them with these blindfolds that you can't see through anywhere. They put these um, noise-canceling earphones on. That, that it's not noise, just noise-canceling, it's absolute zero. Like someone could shout in the room. An airplane could take off and they hear nothing. So they put on a blindfold. They put these insane noise-canceling earphones on. And then they bind hands and feet and they leave them in a room by themselves. The average person doesn't even last a day before they begin to totally dissociate from reality. You know why? There's something core and essential about being a human being. We need other people. We, we don't need, just need other people. We need to see other people. We need to hear other people. We need to touch other people. I want to tell you, we need to live life together. Something about the dignity of man is, is, is 
is, is located in, in sharing life with each other. So the question is why? Why, why Adam? Why are, we, why, are we, why are you making such a big deal about the community? Here's why. Because destiny requires partnership. Destiny requires partnership. Let's go back to Adam. Okay? Look at verse 26 in, in chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our own image, let us, um, in, our own, in our own image, in our own likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Can I tell you, see, when, when God said that, he, he, that's his plan for humanity. That's his plan for Adam, okay? That's Adam's job, that's Adam's purpose. Look at, look at chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden, and this is, look at this, to work it and to take care of it. So God doesn't just make man, but he makes man and he gives him purpose. Can I tell you something? One of the reasons that lots and lots of men struggle with depression is because they don't have a job. One of the best ways to fight depression is to go get a job. Purpose just, infect, just infuses your life with, 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 uh, with, uh, with joy. So God makes man, but he doesn't just make man, but he gives him a purpose. And look. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And then look at verse 18. We've already said this. The Lord God said, Look, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. Here's the deal. Destiny. Destiny requires partnership. Destiny requires community. See, we need, we need the help of others to fulfill our call in Jesus. And here's what I want you guys to do. Look at, look at the people on your left and right. Think about the guy or the woman in this church that drives you bonkers. Think about the one you're really aggravated with, maybe even this morning. Can I tell you something? You're probably going to need them in order to fulfill your destiny. You're probably going to need them. This is our own little Garden of Eden right here. It's a little greenhouse right here. You, you thought you came to church, and what you actually came to was, was a greenhouse experiment. And it wasn't my design. It was Jesus' design, and Jesus is, this, is, this is God's intention for you. This is God's intention. God's intention for you is to partner with everyone else in the room for his call. Let me put it, let me put it in, a, in a slightly more forceful, somewhat negative way. God's intention for you is to get over it. Yeah, that, why ever you're mad at that person? Just get over it. How about that? How about forgiveness for a change and, and, and let the call of God be bigger than whatever my issue is with someone else in the room? How about that one? See, destiny requires partnership. It requires partnership it required partnership in the very beginning. It required partnership with no sin. See, that blows me away. It, like, with that, you, you, you know, a lot of people think, well, the reason I can't, you know, do what I'm supposed to do is because the devil keeps me down and there's, you know, the world's a fallen place and it's full of sin. No, if, if it was perfect, if it was a garden, it's just you and Jesus, you still need partnership. It blows. This has been rocking me all week. We need each other. Like, even in this room, we need each other. You think about Adam. Now you think about Abraham. You think, well, you know, God comes to one guy, Adam, and his name is Abraham. Well, listen to the call of God. It's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. We're only going to look at the very last phrase there. You don't even have to turn there. 
And God tells Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What's Abraham's call? It's a community call. It's to take the blessing of the Lord and make it available for everyone else. I want you to think about somebody else. Jesus and the 12 disciples. What's what's one of the first things that Jesus did when he arrived on the earth and began earthly ministry? He chose his 12 disciples. Why? Because purpose and destiny requires partnership and community. One of the ways that you know that you're called or that you're being called is when you realize that you're going to need others to fulfill what you're called to do. It's not, really, it's not really a call if you can do it by yourself. Jesus and the 12 disciples, this is a really instructive, really, really instructive little, uh, little group of guys. Think about this. If Jesus' if Jesus's main mission in life was just to take away the sins of the earth, he wouldn't need people. He could have just gone and been really good out in the desert somewhere. It actually tells us something about what Jesus came to do as well. See, Jesus came to establish the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Did he come to, to take away the sins of the world? Absolutely. That wasn't the only thing that he came to do. The main thing he came to do was take the future, drag it into the present, and he needed helpers. See, if he was just going to die on the cross, man, he could have just, he could have went out in the desert, been real good, prayed and fasted, and when the time was come, shed a little blood. But that wasn't what he did. He called disciples to him. You see, the Great Commission is a community call. And who did Jesus commission in the Great Commission? The community that he called to himself. You see, the, the Great Commission is, a, is, is, a, is Jesus looking at community and then giving that community a community call. You see, destiny requires partnership. Paul He's probably like the most famous apostle in the whole New Testament. But Paul had Barnabas and Paul had Silas. And the one that really kills me is Paul probably stayed in Antioch at that church for 14 years. Paul was committed to the local church. He was committed to community. See, destiny and calling, are they're locked within community. Why don't you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Let's read some really famous verses. Let's read verse 42 through 47, okay? Holy Spirit's fallen. Peter's preached. 3,000 dunked in water. This This is the aftermath. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling all the possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now here's what I want you to realize. This is a really famous, uh, this is a really famous piece of scripture, but the wider context is Peter's sermon. And, and, and probably before... Verse 42, there's probably a little heading in your Bible that says, the fellowship of all the believers. And man, most days I wish that was just gone so that you could 
get a, get a better sense of, of the flow in the text there. But the, the wider context is, is pre- Peter's message. And, and Peter had been preaching to them, and I'm just going to read some more scripture to you. In verse 36, he says, Therefore let all Israel be sure of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter, said, Peter and the other apostles, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children. See, it's a community call. And for all those who are fall off and for all those whom the Lord God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then straight into the, to the aftermath there. And the thing I want you to notice about this is in verse 42 and all the way down to verse 47, it, it is just even you can look at it right now, just kind of skim over it. You'll notice that the language is so inclusive. And it's not just inclusive, but it's, it's like everyday life kind of language. We're, we're, we're getting into the how part here. We, we've identified that, that, that community is a big deal to Jesus, and we've, we've identified the fact that, that we need community because we need partnership to fulfill destiny. But this is the how part. Peter preaches... And then we look at the aftermath and, and just look. Look how inclusive, look how, look how many times the word like all and every day and everyone. And that's really important stuff. And, and here's the point. The how part, it, it's really simple. How you live in community, how, you, how do you see your destiny go from, from unfulfilled, to, from prophetic word to to something that's fulfilled that you're walking in? How, how does that happen? It's really simple. It's just, it's this, church. Just share life together. Look at verse 42 through 47. It's just, it's share life together. You see, sharing, sharing life is actually a huge part of the salvation process. You see, I wasn't just saved from something. I was saved to something. And the something that I was saved to was, was sonship, and it was abundant life, and it was adoption in Jesus. And, and, and the manifestation of adoption in Jesus and sonship and the manifestation of abundant life is us together, sharing life together. It's one of the, it's one of the clearest manifestations in the Scripture. Here's something else I want to say to you. It's not just people who worship and pray together who spark revival and renewal. It's people who share everyday life together. See, a lot of times, and, and, and I've done it, and, and it's actually really valid. We, we can take verse 42 through 47 and... Shoot, I can preach a pretty good sermon about that, about the four devotions of the early church, you know, about the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of the bread and prayer. And, and most times what we hear and most times what is really keyed on is, oh, we need to pray more, you know? And, we, and we, you know, we need better teaching and, you know, get in line and that kind of a thing. And, and the truth of the matter is that's all really good stuff, but, you know, here's what I found out about prayer. It's awesome. I, you know, you can spend your whole life praying and, and most people live under such a burden of guilt about prayer you know you could pray for 24 hours a day and they would still wake up the next morning feeling like they needed to pray more it's prayer good i'm for it you better believe it but just as important as prayer ministries just as important as really anointed apostolic teaching just as important as any other thing that's in those verses just as important as signs and wonders is sharing life together now this is going to rock some of y'all boats just as just as key for your life calling and your destiny and even for the calling of this town 
to, to come under what Jesus has for it, just as key as the prayer ministry, just as key as signs and wonders, and just as key as an apostolic authority being raised up, just as key is sharing a meal together. It's just as spiritual. See, it's not just people who worship and pray together who spark revival. It's people who share everyday life together. You see, the outpouring in chapter 2, which created the two, the chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 community, was actually created by a community in chapter 1 who were hanging out together. See, community and breakthrough leads to more community and breakthrough, which leads to more community and breakthrough. See, in chapter 1, it's 120 guys, and they're gathered together for prayer. And they're living life together. By the end of chapter 2, We've got 3,000 guys. And by the time we get to chapter 4, we've got 5,000 guys. Man, we, we need each other. We need each other. Here's something else I've found as well. I've also found that the people that I most prefer to do ministry with are the people that I do life with. I've found that the people that I'd most prefer to do ministry with are the people that I most prefer doing life with. Yeah. Joe and I do life together. We do life together every single week. And it, when I get a call to go do ministry, one of the first people I call is Joe. Because he and I have shared life together. <clears throat> yeah, shared meals are just as, just as spiritual as shared prayer. You realize that the, the, the two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus, resurrected Jesus is walking with them, they don't even recognize resurrected Jesus. When do they recognize resurrected Jesus? They recognize resurrected Jesus an hour or so later when they're having, when they're having a meal together. There's something about the presence of God that's just, that's just with us when we're, when we're hanging out and, and, and doing life together. And I don't, I don't want us to discount that, you know? I don't want this super spiritual mindset to come in and just to discount sharing life, sharing life together. It's so important. Here's another little observation I've made about, about, uh, about the church and about, about life together. And it's, uh, it's, through the whole, it's through the whole New Testament. If you get a chance this week, what I want you to do is I want you to go through, uh, through these three passages. Hit up Romans 12. Read a little bit before Romans 12. Read Romans 12. Read a little bit after Romans 12. Then go to 1 Corinthians 12. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Then read Ephesians 4. And one of the things you're going to find is this. Every single time in the New Testament that spiritual gifts are specifically mentioned, every single time that they're specifically mentioned, the other thing that's specifically mentioned is the body. There's some, there's some, there's some mention of the metaphor that, of, that Paul uses about the body being the church, and there's also a mention of love. I, I want to tell you guys, for there to be a genuine expression of, of spiritual gifts and for there to be a genuine expression of breakthrough in our church, it's going to come through shared life and love together. It's all over the New Testament. So that's how, I, I just want to tell you guys, this year, church, share life together. Rearrange your schedule, it's worth it. Now I realize there's probably two kinds of people in the room here this morning, and so I, 
I want to be really, really bossy, and I want to meddle with both of you. <clears throat> I, want to, I want to tell you what to do. First kind of people that are here are, um, there's two groups, I should say. The first group that's here this morning is probably what we would call the in-group, okay? And, and by the in-group, what I mean is this. You've been coming to the vineyard for a while, and you're probably a lot like me. You found that your very best friends are here at the vineyard well as well. And, and the very best friends you've ever had in your entire life are here. And, and the people that you share life, they're here. And the people who, who know you're good and the people who know you're bad, they're here. So that's one group. And, and what I want to tell, tell the group that's the end group is this. Um, and, and this is no joke. This is, you know, a word from the pastor here. In crowd, this year, I want you to intentionally, on purpose, look for a way to gather one or two more into your group this year. I'm not talking about 100. I'm talking about one or two. Go find one or two others and drag them into your group. Go and find like one or two other really annoying ones and, gra- and just drag them right on in. There's, there's this law in physics, and it, it goes like this. Uh, it says that, um, it says that, uh, that, uh, that when, when something's concentrated and it gets it like, you know, if we had like a concentrated like perfume or something and we opened up the bottle, uh, it, things tend to go from areas of greater concentration to less concentration. Y'all familiar with that? Y'all remember kind of like high school, high school science? Well, you know, go and grab somebody really annoying. Put them in, put them in your really awesome group. You know, the annoying level will eventually go down and the awesomeness will jump on them. You won't hear that every day. <laughs> it's true. So if you're in the in group and you're hearing me this morning, if you've got ears to hear what I'm talking about, honestly, seriously, no joke, rearrange your schedule to include one or two other people in your circle this year. Make it a 365-day mission. It'll probably take about a year to make it happen, actually. By now you've probably guessed that the other group that's probably here this morning is the out group. And by the out group, what I mean is maybe you've been coming to the vineyard for a while and you really like what's going on here, but you just, you don't know. Like, you know you want to be here and you know you want to be more, you want to jump on the in crowd, but you know how to get to the in crowd? Well, here, here's what I want to tell you. I've got a, just a few directions for you as well. <coughs> Number one, join a home group. They're really awesome. Our home group leaders are fantastic. I would trust any of our home group leaders with my very life and the life of my children. They're that good. I don't, know any, I don't know anyone who's in the in group who's not also in the home group. So if you're in the out group, one of the best ways that you can get in the in group this week, starting this week, is just, just go join a home group. Then the other thing I want to tell you is, if, uh, if that doesn't satisfy you, then just make your own in group. Find four or five other out group people and start your own in group. Um, you know... It's just ultra practical here this morning. Uh, a lot of times, let me put it this way, like when you're, when, you're, uh, when you're at my perspective or maybe like Bree or some of the other people who are on staff, one of the things you find out, even, even in a church like ours, our church is not huge, it's like 200, 250 people, depends on what's going on. Even in a church this size, one of the things that, that all of us in, on the staff have figured out really quickly is there are pockets of people in our church 
who are congregating and loving God and like walking out their call, and I have no idea what's going on. There's, there's tons of little groups over here. And, you know, and, and sometimes we go, oh, that's just cliquish. And I go, well, that's just natural. It's great. Do it. So if you're on the out group this morning and you, you don't know how to get on the in group, well, number one, join a home group. And if, if, like I said, if that doesn't satisfy, grab four or five more people who are on the out group and just make your own in group. It, it'll work every time. Now I've got a word for the whole vineyard. It's a really short story. Got a word for the vineyard, and it's about a vineyard. Here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you that community is like a man who goes out and he plants a vineyard. And he tends the vineyard, and he watches every single detail in the vineyard. He cares for the vineyard. He puts his blood, his sweat, his effort into the vineyard. Not only that, but in this particular year, it's, it's like a perfect year. The vineyard gets perfect rain, the perfect amount. It doesn't rain too little in the vineyard because too little w- would dry the grapes up and, and, and the wine that he would make would end up being kind of raisiny if he could even, eat, ma- even make any, any wine. It didn't rain too little this year, and, and it didn't rain too much because if it had rained too much, then then the water tends to dilute the flavor in the grapes and you don't end up with wine, you end up with some sort of fermented water that's no good. So this man, he, he planted this vineyard and he tended it and the weather was just right. It was just the right amount of rain. It was just the right amount of sunshine. It didn't get too hot. In fact, it stayed about 85 degrees all summer long and it had a slight breeze blowing because if it gets too hot, then it dries your grapes out and if it's not warm enough, the grapes won't ripen. I'm telling you, it's perfect weather. He put his whole heart into it. And you know what happened at harvest time? He had an outstanding vintage, the best that he'd ever had. That's a little parable for us about community. Let me tell you what it's about. Maybe I shouldn't. But I will. See, community, community and sharing life requires great effort and it doesn't just require great effort it requires great effort over the entire season it's not it's not about a week or two of effort it's about a great effort over the entire season and you know what there's there's aspects of of getting 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 your grapes into the barrel that are that are 100 out of out of our hands you know i can't control water i can't control sunshine i can't control the wind i can't i can't control the the birds that might come and eat. I can't control any of that. You know who controls that? See, God controls that. It's kind of like when the presence of the Holy Spirit comes and He just, you know, He's with us and it, it, and it forms. We can't control that. <clears throat> so what I want to tell you this, this morning is this, that, that sharing life requires great effort and it's great effort over the entire season and there's, there's aspects to us being together that are, that are out of our hands. Aspects like the amount of presence that we have. Aspects like, like who it is that, that just shows up through our door. Um, lots of aspects. But here's the, here's the deal. Without hard work and intentional planning, a harvest can be lost even on a good year. See, without, without some degree of intentionality, without, degree of, without some degree of effort, and without some degree of hard work, see, a harvest can be lost even on a good year. 
Man, I've had friendships that went right down the toilet that were probably strategic just because I didn't maintain them the way I needed to. Maybe you have. One more thing and then we'll, we'll be done. Here's why I've been knocking on this so morning, so much this morning. The reason I've been knocking on this so hard is not just because it's who God is and it's, it's his plan for us, but, but it's back to this issue of destiny. You see, there's so much destiny that's locked up in this church. I'm the pastor, so I can brag on our church. I love our church. I, I think the Lord wants to do just outstanding things here. I have, I have an entire file on my computer that's just full of prophetic words that just speak God's heart and His intention over our church. And they're mind-boggling. Sometimes when I read them, I go, I don't believe this. Sometimes I read them and I go, well, the only reason I do believe them is because there's like 19 that all say the same thing from people who don't know each other over 13 years. You know, it's just this handful of things. And there's this dramatic amount of destiny that Jesus has locked up in this church. And it's like I said earlier, destiny requires partnership. You realize there are people in this church who are called to write books. And not just write books, but write books that people read. <laughs> there are people in this church who are called to make films. There are people in this church who are called to make albums. Not just, not just an album, but an album that shapes an entire generation. It's here. I'm talking about in the room even this morning. This stuff isn't an accident. And this isn't even all that we're called to. You know, this church is called to lead, not just revival. I'm just even kind of tired of revival language. This church is, is called to be a part of Acts chapter 2 kind of living that radically shakes and just forms and explodes all over this community and all over this state. See, I, I'm not, I couldn't really care less about a revival or a renewal. Those tend to end, in my experience. What I would really love to see is I would love the presence of God to come and land on a a bunch of people who wanted to put Jesus' yoke on themselves and become his disciple and do it every single day and do it together. And you watch what would happen. This entire church would change. This town would change. this this, This city and this state would shake. And that's the destiny that we're called to. Why have I been hammering community this morning? I've been hammering community because we need each other. Let me tell you something else. We don't just need each other. If we don't get it right together, it won't have an impact out there. And there's some people out there who really need it. Here's something I'm reasonably sure of this morning. I'm reasonably sure that if a meteorite fell out of heaven and hit this church and killed us all this morning, that most of us would go to heaven. That's not God's intention. God's intention is that there's destiny here, and it's a destiny for a people out there. There are people out there that if a meteorite fell out on them, game over. Game over. Hell forever. Can I tell you something else? We're called to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth today for those guys out there because they really need it. It's part of the destiny this church has locked up in it. I could go on for an hour about some of the things that the Lord has planned for this church. Let me tell you something else that the Lord has in his heart for this church. The Lord has it in his heart for this church for there to be business guys who rock this community with the way they run business, with the way that they provide jobs for people, with the way that they actually take care of other families 
because they run their business the way Jesus would run a business. There, there are guys who are called to business, and they're called not just to make enough, but they're called to make millions, and they're in this room right now. There's so much destiny that's locked up in here. And I want to tell you this. Ain't nobody in this church going to make millions without the help of other people in this church. Ain't nobody in this church going to make an album without the rest of us getting behind it. And ain't nobody in this church going to write a book, make a film, love Jesus, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils without the help of somebody sitting right next to you. Here's what I found out. I found out by experience, and then, then after I had the experience, I went and checked it out in the Bible. I found out that it's in the Bible as well. I found out that there's, there's no Lone Rangers in the kingdom of heaven. And there's no Han Solos either. They're just not, I mean, and, and occasionally, you know, one will take off and, you know, he'll get kind of something going and everybody will kind of point at him. and won't be long and he don't last too long, you know. I know I've, told, I've used this example before. I, I want to tell you guys again. We just need each other so much. I, you know, Derek's going to laugh. But um, we watch Animal Planet all the time at my house. I got three little kids. If you've got kids, you watch Animal Planet. It's one of the things you do. And um, we just we can't, there's no Han Solos. There's no, there's no Lone Rangers in the kingdom of heaven. And, and out on the African plain, there'll be these massive herds of wildebeest. Like, enormous herds. 10,000 animals in one herd running across. And there'll be like four or five lions. And the lions will run out, you know, because they're hungry. And who do the lions go and grab? They go grab the ones that are off by themselves. The, what the, the main strategy of the lion is to get one out, parsed out from the herd. And then once he's out from the herd, they jump on him. It's over, you know. Man, we just need each other. There's safety in numbers. There's calling and there's destiny in numbers. And one of the things I want to tell you this, this, this morning, church, is that if you're going to hit your mark, if you're going to hit your mark, chances are the person to your left and to your right is going to be a part of it. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, uh, ministry team, come on up. Let me get a microphone. I can start on this side. Anybody here got a word? 